I then had this asset, this item of value to give someone. And then the art was like, how do I go give it to people? Because when I first went up to businesses and said, hey, I got this cool website. You can get reviews. You can put up your deals. You can do events. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've heard of this before. No, no, no. Like, no, thank you. But no, thank you. I'm like, what do you mean? It's free. Like, I'll just, like, just like, I want to help you make money. <laughs> Here, just take it. <laughs> and, and, they, and they wouldn't accept. And so then I was like, man, I got to find a different like intro. And then I was like, one day I was like, man, I, I like this business. He's my friend. So I said, hey, how about I interview and feature you on it? They're like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, that was easy. And I went to a business owner I didn't know. And I said, hey, I want to interview and feature you on this website for the neighborhood. And they were like, okay. And I was like, ah. huh, the PR hook, like what we're doing right now, right? The PR hook. Everyone wants more PR. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to Find Your Freedom, the best entrepreneurship podcast. Being an entrepreneur is hard. That's why we created findyourfreedompod.com to compile all the resources you need to find your own freedom. Welcome, Grant. We are so excited to have you on today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, Grant. We are stoked to have you on with us today. Grant's joining us all the way from Toronto, Canada. Might be our first uh, Canadian on the podcast thus far. He is a master marketer, entrepreneur, best-selling author, you name it. He's been running Park Bench for about a decade now. And I, I got to tell you, I got the sense uh, from checking out your bio that you're kind of an innovative thinker. Uh, when you are looking at the marketing game, everyone knows that... Uh, you know, it kind of comes with some cold calling responsibilities. And I think part of what I took away from checking you out and your, your background is you wanted to help marketers get away from this uh, drudgery that is cold calling. Uh, so in your own words, what would you say Parkbench does and, and what, do you, what are you providing as a company? Well, Parkbench originally was a solution to my problem. Um, so I had a fitness uh, business. My wife was a realtor. And we were just trying to find ways to make money. And so that was our solution to help us get clients in our neighborhood. And so 10 years later, we now have a business where on the big scale, we help local businesses and local professionals get more clients in their community. And we really have focused on the real estate agent niche um, and helping them connect with the people in their community without having a cold call, without having a door knock, without spamming people with mailers. We came up with a really unique way um, to help them build relationships because at the cornerstone of real estate and in lots of businesses, it's all about relationships and referrals. So what do you think the other uh, companies are, are missing or getting wrong when they bring on their new agents and they say, all right, dial for dollars, jump on that phone and, and you know, you're not going to get any, anywhere by uh, skipping your cold calling. What are they, what are they missing? <laughs> I mean, I biasly would say they're missing park bench. Um, but so, so if you, if you don't, if you don't have, like, that was the reason why I was created. Like if you don't, when I didn't have park bench for myself, I did cold calling. I did door knocking. Like you, you need to talk to people like business is a contact sport. So like you gotta do something like if, especially if you're a relationship and referral based professional, more conversations is more clients. The problem with so many of those approaches is it's like you're going to the bar asking a girl to have sex and get married with you right away. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really tough first conversation over over the first beer. <laughs> you, you might have to like go all night and eventually find the person drunk enough to say yes right away at the end. But like, <laughs> the reality is you got to go through a whole bunch of pain if that's your approach. And, right. and like so much of it is like too hard, too fast, too direct, too salesy, too cheesy, too pushy. Um, and so the, we, my wife and I just invented a way that you focus on trying to give value and get to know people first which is easier said than done. And then you can talk about business because the person wants to with you. I love that. Start with the front end uh, value. And then they're like, oh, this guy's already helping me out. You know what? Maybe I do need to sell my house. (laughs) Yeah. Like marketers, like, so I didn't even know about lead magnets until like later in life, right? As a small business owner, you don't know this digital thing. And, and so that's what it is. Like you just, you got, you gotta, if you're a professional and you're used to just calling, you know, door knocking, cold calling, networking events. You got to think like, don't just go for business right away. What's your lead magnet? What's your hook? What's the value you can bring someone first and then talk about business. All right. So what, so, I mean, I'm super curious how you would describe really what park bench is doing. That's helping it grow so quickly. So like in terms of like, like how do the agents? Yeah. Yeah. So, so instead of cold calling, uh, how are, how are they getting the cl- in front of the, their local neighborhood people? How are they getting in front of their yeah. customers? So, um, this is like the whole, the story of like how it all came to be. So my wife and I wanted to connect with people in our neighborhood, build a relationship. All right. You said she's real estate and you were running a gym or fitness coach. Yeah. She's real estate. I'm in fitness. And so you're like, okay, you got people who live here and you got people who work here. These are the people who could become our clients. They could refer us business. So I need to talk to them. Cold calling and door knocking doesn't work. Flyering people's mailboxes doesn't work. So like, we've got to figure out a different way. And in business, like the key to business, I think is just giving value. So then you just start working backwards. Okay. What can I give these people? Homeowners typically want to know what's going on around them. Local newspapers back in 2011, uh, 12 and 13, when this was all coming to be, um, there was no local newspaper for our neighborhood. Local newspapers were kind of dying off. It didn't make any money. But yet people still want to know, like, what's going on in the neighborhood? Where's the happy hours? Where are the specials? Like, you know, what's the news? And so we're like, okay, maybe we build a website for the neighborhood that has all this information on it. And that will be something that we can give the people who live here because we, we want it too. We live here and this doesn't exist. So let's just make it for ourselves and for the people. And then the business owners, they want to promote themselves. They want to promote their products or services or events or deals, sales, specials, all that stuff. And so then I got my friends from university. I said, all right, I want a website. I want, I want essentially the functionality of Groupon and Yelp and Nextdoor, or, and, uh, Nextdoor uh, Eventbrite on here. And I'm going to need a place to put like news and, and content. And they were like, what? These are like billion dollar companies. I was like, yeah, but just copy them. Like, I'm sure you can figure it out. <laughs> well, yeah, they already and, created the wheel. Let's just, yeah, yeah. just copy them. Put them just together. Them. <laughs> like, you're a builder, you're a wizard. Like, just do it. I don't know anything about this stuff. <laughs> and so luckily they did. They figured it out. Um, it definitely took a lot of money, more money than I thought, more time than I thought. And then, so I, I then had this asset, this item of value to give someone. And then the art was like, how do I go give it to people? Cause when I first went, 
up to businesses and say, Hey, I got this cool website. You can get reviews. You can put up your deals. You can do events. They're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I've heard of this before. No, no, no. Like, no, thank you. But no, thank you. I'm like, what do you mean? It's free. Like, I'll just, like, just like, I want to help you make money <laughs> here. Just take it. And, and they, and they wouldn't accept. And so then I was like, man, I got to find a different like intro. And then I was like, one day I was like, man, I, I like this business. He's my friend. So I said, Hey, how about I interview and feature you on it? They're like, Oh, okay. And I was like, Oh, that was easy. And then I went to a business owner I didn't know. And I said, Hey, I want to interview and feature you on this website for the neighborhood. And they were like, okay. And I was like, ah. huh, the PR hook, like what we're doing right now, right? Right. The PR hook, everyone wants more PR, especially if it's free. Right. Cause even free PR for a little new website, little new, you know, YouTube thing that doesn't get that much traffic, whatever it leads to more. If I've been featured in one place, I'll get featured in more places. And so that was the hook that we use to get to know people, give them value, get them on the platform to give them more value. And then they referred us business. And then realtors came to us and said, oh, this is a good idea. I want to do what you guys are doing. And then that's how the business started. So that's why realtors pay us. They, they want to connect with their neighborhood. They don't know how. And this neighborhood website, website with this interview funnel that we kind of created is what helps them meet people really quickly and easily with no rejection and build high quality relationships that turn into business. Wow. That's awesome. All right. So you, I'm going to lean into this a little bit. Um, I love the beginning part of your story where you were talking about, I had this concept. Um, cause really that's what a lot of the, uh, our audience is. They like, I have these ideas. I don't know how to get them going. Can you give us a little bit more detail? Really lean into you had an idea, your friends were programmers. It sounds like in college, you're like, Hey, help me do this. Can you give us a little bit more detail on that? Sort of what you were feeling as you were going through that process early on? Cause it, you made it sound really easy and I know it was not the case. <laughs> no. So, so I'll, let's, let's expand the story. So, um, because this is, this is like the, how it all got started. So, and this is why I tell like people who want to start their own business. I was like, solve your own problem first. Yep. Cause one, you're going to solve your problem. And then you are not a snowflake. There are lots of people out there just like you who have that same problem. And I'm <laughs> right. sure you can monetize that problem. Now, how big of a monetization is it going to be? I don't know. And, and who cares? Because one, you solve your own problem. And two, you're going to have a whole lot of fun connecting with people who are just like you, who have the same problem as you, and you help them solve that problem. So like that was us. It was like we had a problem and we were building this platform to, for ourselves. It had nothing to do with business. Right. And then from there, it just happened. Like we just kind of stumbled into it. Like at first when we solved our problem, we thought maybe we can charge businesses for the benefits we're giving them on the website while we use this website to build our businesses. And then realtors literally came to us. And I think what, what, it, what also takes is like listening and, and just noticing the opportunity when it's there. And then, um, but when it came to building the website, I had no idea how much it cost. My first quote was like, $500. I thought that was too expensive. The guy then was like, I can't do it for $500. I was like, you suck. And then my friend was like, well, I, I can do it. He, um, I'll do it for 1200 though. Like that's why he couldn't do it. It's too cheap. And I was like, man, frick, all right, fine. I'll pay you 1200 bucks. I really want this. And then he couldn't do it. And I was like, what the hell's going on? I'm getting quotes. And, and I didn't know anything. And then, and then my other, and then I went, I said, someone else who, who knows? And you just ask people who knows how to do this. 
like just ask for help. And then people said, oh, talk to these guys. And I went to go talk to those guys and they're like $3,000. I was like, man, this is getting more expensive. And at the end of it all, it was $30,000 to get the first version of the oh website out. Oh my God. Out. You went from and 500 to 30 yeah, grand? In one year. I went from one month to one year, <laughs> 500 to $30,000. And I think being naive helps. Like don't overthink it. Don't try to make a business. I went to a business school that like went, you make business plans like as a homework. And I didn't make a business plan. I just went with it and just knew what I was trying to do to try to solve my problem. And then when I heard people wanted it, my wife actually went out and she came home with $30,000 in checks. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, we're doing this for other people. I was like, but what? We don't have anything. <laughs> She's like, yeah, well, I told them we could. And I was like, we don't even know if we can do this. She's like, well, I'll refund them if we can't. And then, and then I asked my friends, like, can you do this? They're like, yeah. I was like, all right. And then we did it. And then I was like, okay, well, this isn't a business. This is just like a little side hustle, which is okay at the beginning. You make it a little side hustle. Don't expect to become a billionaire. I wasn't expecting that. Like just in, keep inching yourself forward. Cause like the business that we have today is nothing like we thought it was going to be the beginning. Now we invest right. in companies and we say the same thing. We're like early on, I'm investing in the person, not the idea. The idea is going to evolve. It's going to probably be different. But is this person a person who I think can be a winner? And so then if you just get started and you just figure things out as you go, it will turn into something and just don't overthink it. Don't think too big of it. It's going to be harder than you think. Um, but if your, your expectations are small of like, I'm just trying to solve my problem and then maybe make some extra cash, that's a whole lot easier to achieve. And then you can go from there. So the fact that it crept up to 30 grand... That wasn't a that wasn't a a, a deal breaker for you guys because at that point you'd already been like six twelve months into it and at that point had the belief that you were going to see that thing through. So the more you get into an idea, the more you think about it, the more you realize the benefits of it, and so then you're willing to make even more of an investment of time and money as you start getting feedback of oh yeah this is actually really desirable this is actually really going to help our business grow let's do this. Because I feel like uh, when I'm hearing that, it seems kind of counterintuitive, actually, because, you know, having being that you, you guys were so far off of the mark in terms of what that was going to cost. Um, I, it sounds, <laughs> you know, we see you sitting before us today and you guys are successful and you pulled it off. And I've just like rewinding the clock and looking back, I feel like if you if just if, if someone told you this story about someone who went into it. Uh, you know, with uh, the idea that they were going to get it done for less than 500 and then found that found it ended up costing like a hundred X um, that, you know, that the thing would, would fall apart at some point there. So it sounds like in your case that, that actually, uh, you know, it worked out well. Yeah. Cause if someone told me it would be 30 grand at the beginning, I probably wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have done it. I was just having this conversation yesterday with a, um, with a buddy who's working with a friend on starting a company and, um, we're just talking through a lot of the kind of hurdles that he has going on. And I was just like, man, it sounds like these hurdles, there's a lot of significant hurdles here. And my buddy just said, yeah, I think sometimes the job of a founder, the reason that they are able to be successful as founders, that's the characteristic is that they can just look over the fact that there's some pretty glaring issues between them and the finish line. And they're just having the, like the real faith that, 
this is a good enough idea and I'm going to be able to, you know, bridge that gap somehow. The, the, you know, the pivots and things that lead you along the way, they'll come to me. I just have to have faith that the idea will work. How do you balance that with potentially the risk, you know, back then probably you guys weren't in as comfortable a financial situation. So how did you manage the risk of, uh, you know, potentially changing, changing your life for both <laughs> either positively or negatively with this new project that you guys were undertaking? I think, you know, we were 20, three, you know, when we were thinking this out, thinking this through. So I think that's also why it's probably harder to, to make some of those risks later in life when you got a family and kids and stuff like that. Responsibility. So the earlier you can just get started, the better, because look like money, like, especially now that I, that I've made money. Oh my God. It's so meaningless. Like, but, but I didn't think that like back then it was just, I want to make some money, but I can have the risk tolerance. So I think that's also what makes an entrepreneur. I think a lot of people even shouldn't be entrepreneurs who are now trying to be entrepreneurs. Like you have to have that risk tolerance. And then I think because I was a salesperson kind of at heart, even before I started my own business, I'm like, if this doesn't work, I'll just sell something else and like figure out how to make money again. So if I lose it all, like whatever, I don't have my, I, I can live on nothing. I can sleep on the ground. Like I've done all that stuff. So I think that's all like you just, depending on your lifestyle, your needs, your wants, and maybe you do got to like, you know, learn to eat shit to then feel comfortable taking on that risk. I was already doing that. So like, it just didn't seem that big of a deal to expend all my savings to try something. Cause I yeah. could just rebuild it back up again. Yeah. You had the belief in yourself. You had the naivete and you had the low expenses. I think that's a deadly combo. Um, so the website finally gets up You're 30 K into this thing. And now you've started the business and I'm sure there were a lot of unexpected things that, that, uh, kind of came into play at that time for you. Can you talk to us about the, those first six months after now you've launched this website, you've launched the business, you and wifey are excited. What happened there when you got things going? Oh man. <laughs> so like, thank God we were young. <laughs> we had each other, you know, so like got into business. Like I always want to do business with my partner. I think that was like another secret power was to have a really close partner in crime to do this with. Um, and so six months in, so like we sold that 30 grand, 10 clients, three grand a pop. Then my wife went out and got 10 more clients, three grand a pop. So I was like, holy crap, we made 60 grand. Sounds I was like, like your we wife's should... the salesperson, not you. Oh yeah, she, yeah, no, she is. She, we're both, but she is the one who actually runs our sales team and, and she's, you know, better. Um, and so, so then... I was like, okay, this is like a business. I think this is like, it went, it went from like a side hustle to like, okay, this is a business. So then I was like, Hey, we need to, we need to hire. Are you still doing fitness stuff at this point? Yeah. So I had said like, she had sold real estate and then was like, I made a bunch, bunch of money in real estate. I can just take time off and just go full time in this. I'm like, well, I got all my clients in this like franchise thing I'm doing. So like, I need to see this really take off before I right. you know, commit. Okay. And then, and then I was like, Hey, but like, you know, we need some extra help. So let's go find someone who's been there, done that for building a sales team. If the sales are so easy, if this is such a high product market fit demand, let's find a salesperson to build a sales team. 
That was our first hire, which is not the first hire. And that was a big mistake because that sales manager committed fraud on our company and our customers. And we went from 70 grand a month. We got up to 70 grand a month, back down to nothing, no money, nothing. Went all the way to zero. And that was like within the first six to 12 months. Wow. And so then, and then our reputation, yeah. And then our reputation in Toronto and the GTA was just part of my language fucked. And so I was like, you know, so I'm from Vancouver and fun fact, I now live back on the West coast, even though our online, it says I'm in Toronto, I'm on the West coast. Um, and so, um, so I was like, okay, we, we, we can't do this in Toronto. And we had a fear and a wonder of like, will this work somewhere else? And I was like thinking about our story and so much of the things that have caused us to do well is because we were forced. There was no way we could not. So we had to go to a different city to keep this thing going. Yeah, your first hire had burned the bridge to that city. <laughs> Before we had been burned, we wanted to, but we we're like, ah, but I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work in Vancouver. And then we got burned. So I was like, well, we got no option. We have to go. Oh my and then God. we went and we sold out and we made we more money it. and replicated. Wow. And then now our brain was like, whoa, maybe we're thinking so small. How many cities could this go in? We should be going to more cities. International. And, <laughs> and so then we're like, hey, and then we um, basically, and then we said, we'll never let go of sales ever again. And depending on your company, that's a lesson I've learned from so many other people is like never let go of sales. And we lived out of a suitcase for two years. In and Vancouver. we just went... No, no, we went from city to city to city to city. So we, so so when we expanded to more markets, we lived out of a suitcase for two years, and we just expanded to more markets. And then we had a, a team back home um, who was doing all the fulfillment, because that's typically who you should hire first is people to help you with fulfillment. And uh, and that was like a big lesson. And plus that, like as an entrepreneur, I've seen so many other entrepreneurs over the years quit. Like we were a part of 500 startups in like another, you know, along the story, we went to Silicon Valley, we got into that program and you just hear all these founders quit when fraud happens, when their partner screws them over, when they lose money, they don't make sales, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, we've gone to zero, absolute zero twice, almost zero four times. And, and, and the mindset is, well, this is happening for a reason. There's actually, because after the first time, and we had that quick, because of that moment, we got committed fraud, we expanded and doubled our revenue. So I was like, everything happens for a reason. What's the good in this? Some, <laughs> there's going to be something that comes amazing from this. And that mindset of seeing, of thinking about like, how can this be a good thing? This happened for a reason. We're going to be bigger and better because of this. It then self-fulfills that prophecy. Right. Yeah. That snap you did there, that was just like... um that snap is what makes a successful entrepreneur because, you know, 90%, 95%, 99% of people is just like, all right, well, there it goes. I gave it a good shot uh, back to, you know, fitness, being a salesperson. What other, you know, what's my next thing that I can do that's safe because the risky totally. thing didn't work out. So turns out that wasn't the best fit for me. So, uh, you know, I want to make sure that the audience really understands like 
and what a cool what a cool stat for to almost have gone to zero four times like that's such a really remarkable thing to just have in your head that like yeah there's these huge ups and downs and it sounds like you had some big ups and big downs really early on so to have the stomach for that and the fortitude um sound really cool can you give a um can you lean in and do a double click also on this little uh silicon valley thing that you kind of tossed in there for 10 seconds (laughs) (laughs) so that one that one was so funny because like again so my wife and i were small business owners like we know nothing about tech and then we found ourselves in this tech company um and so we're just growing we're just like making money because that's all we know how to do just make more than you spend Next city, next city. Let's go expand. You know, and then and then um, we were like, they're like, oh, you should. You, we went to these startup grind events, um, which is like this, like um, kind of like it's a franchise of uh, of startup founders, usually tech, meet up in different cities, and they they bring a speaker up every month, and they teach you about how to like build a tech company. And so we went to one, and this like really successful like CTO was there. Um, and we're like, well, we don't know anything about tech. So we feel we should have an advisor on our board who knows tech. Um, and so we went up to him and we told him about the business. And he was like, oh, I actually really like your business. You guys are making money. You guys are in tech. It's cool technology. Like, okay, cool. I, I'll be an advisor like for some shares. And we're like, sweet. And then he then introduces us because he's super connected and been there, done that like many years down the road. And so then we get a phone call from 500 startups saying, Hey, we heard about you. We'd like you to be in our program. And I'm like, and then, and that does not normally happen. People usually apply for this. Right. Yeah. I think that's a pretty hard program to get into. I've heard. <laughs> it's su- super hard. Yeah. And, 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 be, and I just was like, and this was the phone call. So I'm in this mixer to hire people for my sales team. I get this call. He's like, so we've heard about you and we actually would like to have you come to our program. And I'm like, who are you? And they were like, what? And I was like, no idea who 500 Startups is. And they were like, we're like one of the biggest accelerators in the world. And I'm right. like, what's an accelerator? Isn't that for like broke companies that don't make a lot of money? Like we make like millions <laughs> of dollars. We don't need that acceleration. Thank you. Yeah. Like we're doing fine. I don't want to give up, you know, stuff for, I, I, like, isn't that for people who don't make any money yet? Pre-revenue? They're like, no, there are companies who make more money than you in it. I was like, Okay. And they're like, I was like, I still didn't get it. And the guy told me, he says, um, begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think my attitude actually sold them on the fact that I'm a really good. Cause like, it's, it's kind of like you, 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 when you don't appear needy and wanty, they actually want you even more. Yeah. It was like the double your dating thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. And so, um, and so then the guy was like, um, well, what business school did you go to? I went to this like really good business school in Canada. And so he's like, you know how like the reason why people pay a lot of money to go to that business school is because that name helps you get really good jobs in the corporate world. And I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, we're like the Harvard of accelerators. And I was like, oh, really? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. He's giving you the full sales pitch now. (laughs) Yeah. And then and then I was like, so when's the program? Check this out. He says Monday. And I was like, Monday. I was like, it's Thursday. (laughs) And he was like, yeah. Can you make it? And I was like, I'm in Toronto. I'm like, you're in California. He's like, well, you have to pack your bags. And I was like, I have to drive down there. I'm like, that means I have to leave tomorrow morning. Wow. And then he was like, yeah, you want to do it? And I was like, Hey man. And I was like, is this like a summer long thing? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, that sounds kind of fun. And so I was like, you want to go live in Silicon Valley for summer? She's like, Oh, that sounds fun. And then I was like, all right, we're in. And then we hung on the phone and we looked at all these applicants. We're like, look, if you continue to make money, I'll give you shares in the company. Don't burn this thing down. We're going to Silicon Valley. 
And so then (laughs) we just picked up our bags Wow! and we went to this accelerator the next day uh, for the summer. And they taught us digital marketing. They taught us so much really good stuff. And that like three X star company the next year. And it was amazing. That's awesome. There's something once again, that you kind of quickly glanced over. And I think is such like a cool little piece of it that you looked up kind of a founder networking group. And you went to that just to try and put yourself out there and meet some new people who maybe had some more experience. By doing that, you met a CTO who had a lot of experience, who had connections. You reached out to him, built a relationship with him. Through that, he told some of his connections about your company and you didn't even have to reach out. They called you and that all started just because you went to a networking event. That's just such a wild connection of things which is wild, but that's how like most of the stories of entrepreneurs go on this podcast. It's like you put yourself out there, you get yourself connected, you create a larger surface area for serendipity, and then things just start happening for you because you're putting in the work. I love how you did that. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, I love that service area for serendipity. I heard, heard that. I can't remember who heard that one and a landing pad for luck. I was like, Oh, I like that phrase. Oh, that's a new one. Okay. Um, and so, and so, um, so, so one of the books I read, like, I think one of the things is, is I, that, that entrepreneurs should have. Um, and I think I came naturally to me because like I went to learning centers when I was young. So I wasn't that I wasn't smart, but then I would figure things out and do well. But then I was told I'm dumb from school system and from like my sisters and all that stuff. And so I've always had this like belief in myself that I really am better than everyone married with. I'm also think I'm actually kind of dumb. And so then it forces me to ask lots of questions and, and, and seek out people. Like I'm never afraid to ask for questions, but then I believe that I can do anything. And, and I think really good entrepreneurs kind of have that, like the ego can get in the way if you don't go ask the questions, because something I continue to lean into more and more, especially as I confront ceilings where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing to get to the next level. Cause it's always like that is someone has the answer. So who, who has the answer and where can I find that person Yeah, and then get it from them? <laughs> That's a great mentality. That totally resonates with me too. Yeah. It's just like, I'm confident I can do it and I don't know how to do it, but it'll happen. And I think that I agree. It's like such a, a skill that is critical for entrepreneurs to be able to break through these um, challenges. Yeah. I love the transparency here with going to zero four times. You know, I think a lot of people feel like they got to come and just say, yeah, I've just been kicking ass my whole life, but I, you know, the, the, the learnings and the, the lessons that you gained from those, those, uh, moments where your company went to zero and then you, you had a, a choice to make where it was like, like Jonathan said, like swim back to safety and say, Hey, I, I, I gave entrepreneurship a shot and it didn't work out for me. Or to say, hmm, let me move, <laughs> let me move across the country and try it in Vancouver, and then and then it explodes, and and then you guys do your tour all over Canada. That's really inspiring, and I uh, appreciate you sharing all that. Um, what do you think? You know, I think uh, you know the 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 prospect of of what you went through in, in your story uh, is part of it. But what do you think holds most people back from from even trying to start their own business? Folks who think about it and want to do it, but they never get off the fence. 
So with all of my learnings of, uh, I've done, as I was saying before the pod with you guys, like Tony Robbins, I've done a lot of stuff with him, with Bob Proctor, I've got to meet him, Joe Dispenza. Um, and then, and then one of my earlier things that got me into entrepreneurship, it's so funny because like my parents are like not entrepreneurs at all. They're like the exact opposite immigrants, like get a job, blah, blah, blah. And network marketing was like my first foray that got me into entrepreneurship where I started studying self-development and people and all that stuff. And, um, when everything boils down to two things, the reason why you don't do something, anything is you either fear failure or you fear criticism. It could be both or it's one of the two and fear of failure is something that you make in your head. And the only way to get over it is to take action. One of my favorite phrases, I can't remember who taught me this, one of my favorite ones is fear and action can't live in the same room. <laughs> I love that. So if, if the fear is there, just, just go, 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 go. And, and that's why like, I work through problems. Like I, I sell myself out of a situation. Like if you're not making sales, just keep going. Like you, you, you will eventually sell yourself out of you. Just keep going. If you're problem solving, like to me, I just got to move and just keep working through it. And eventually like everything will go away. And then the, the criticism part, I would not say I'm the best person to help people get through this. It's something that I've just naturally not really had. I think, um, because I was bullied a lot growing up. And so then I was just given a lot of criticism and it was just like, well, this is life. Like you're just constantly criticized. Yeah. So then it's just like, who cares? I am criticized. I'm criticized. And then I beat you on the soccer pitch. I'm criticized. And then I beat you over here. So like, to me, like that's, that's all you got to do is just do that. But I think, um, when I reflect on why I don't have criticism. I, I'm focused so much on like what I want that the criticism is to me again, part of it. Cause that was what was happening in high school was like, I had what I wanted. I was criticized along the way. I still got what I wanted. So who cares about criticism if you just go after what you want? Um, and then what I really dived into it with social media, cause someone was like, you don't post. And I was like, I don't know what to post, which was a form of fear of criticism. Right. And, and, uh, my friend was like, Grant, I want you to make a really bad post and see what happens. And so I did and nothing happened. Right. And then he's like, I want you to think about your, your most people you admire. Look how much criticism they get. And so again, I just associate criticism with the success that I want. Totally. And so then that helped me get over that. And with the failure part, it's just take action, make a plan, take action, make a plan, make a, work a plan. Because I think those are the two things that hold people back. That's great advice. Yeah, one of the things that uh, another um, entrepreneur had told us is, uh, you know, you kind of have your idea and then you just keep tweaking it and working with it and just keep thinking, all right, once I get to this next iteration, then I'm going to bring it and show it to people. And then that, that, that next iteration that gets it to where they want it to be, it never comes. And then you're, you know, another $10,000 invested into it, or you're spent another six months, you know, tweaking it, and then you never actually show it to anyone. Um, and then you've kind of lost all that time and all that money. Whereas if you just put it out there, and they're like, actually, I don't really think that's that good of an idea. But I like that you did this, then earlier on, you can get that criticism or that critique. 
and use that feedback to really kind of make sure that what you're trying to build fits the market. And that's why I like that you guys initially almost, like you said, you kind of stumbled, stumbled upon it. Like we initially immediately got ideas from our uh, local neighborhood telling us like, Oh, I like this. And um, so, so I think that's a really valuable piece of advice for people starting out businesses is yeah, get it out there and see what it is. Cause it sounds like you guys have really had a lot of pivots uh, along the way from what the original idea was that you were just trying to solve your own problem. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and it's so funny when you say that, I just think back to like, um, in, in, in like elementary, like you have to submit like papers and essays and they're like, Grant, did you proofread it? I was like, no, I finished it. And I moved on to the next thing I had to do <laughs> in my life or I got basketball practice or I got freaking so, so like, I just never proof. I never proofread. I just like create, move on, like create, move on. And that was just like a muscle that some people don't have. So they have to really work on that. So like, that's why I'm, I'm not the best one for that. Cause I, I, but then the lesson is you just, it's a muscle. It's a muscle that you just work, get better at the more you do it. I love that. That's awesome. At what point um, through this uh, kind of uh, uh, story that you just told us about your company, at what point did you have that realization? You know what? We not only made it, but now this is like, this is really going somewhere special. I think that 500 startups one was a pretty big deal, like getting accepted to that and like actually understanding like what that was. And then when we were there seeing the other companies, I was like, oh my God, I was like, these people are actually smart. And I was like, you actually have good businesses. Like we're just like salespeople. Um, and these guys are like really smart. So I think that was like a big deal. Um, and then we, then, cause then you have more problems like, like high and then low again after that. And so then you don't think you are that good. And then you rise back up again. Um, we got accepted to like this, the top real estate tech accelerator. We were like the inaugural thing and then we won the award and I was valedictorian and all that stuff. And so like, I think that kind of gave, I guess, more affirmation that we really are great. And then, you know, dude, like this recession is horrible, man. Like, like stuff is going wrong all the time. And, and so I totally think like all the time that we haven't made it, like it's that, that idea of like, you've made it. I hate even thinking that, because I've learned that complacency is just the devil. Like it's, yeah. you just never want that. Cause I've been, we, the good times of business totally make you weak. You know, going back to all the challenges, like I remember hearing this one thing from uh, some people that don't like Andrew Tate, but like I, you know, I listened to one of his things and he was like, if God came to me and said, I'll get rid of all your problems, he'd be like, no. I need them all in order for me to become the man I want to become. And like, that's, I was like, man, that's so true. Like I, I, I can't, um, good times create weak people yeah, and bad times create strong people that create strong times. So like, you got to go through all this stuff and, and that moment when you think you've made it, Oh yeah. If you rest on your laurels, like you're going to get slapped around real bad. And I've seen that over and over and over again. I think the the one thing that has made me a little bit more confident as an entrepreneur is I bought, I bought a house. That thing is the one thing that makes me feel a little bit safe and secure that I have house and equity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Having a home definitely, uh, definitely gives you that little, uh, bit of a validity and credibility, um, that prior to that it's, it's, you don't feel it as much, but, uh, yeah, I worked in the real estate world for John. How long have I been working in this business? 15 years now. And 
we just bought my wife and I just bought our first home together two years ago. And congratulations prior to that. Yeah. We had, I had bought hundreds of, you know, uh, investment properties all over the place, but yeah, buying your own home, there's something extra special, uh, that does give you that, that feeling of safety and security and gives it to your family as well. Um, I heard, a. uh, it sounded like a lot of what you're talking about is you're going through those ups and downs, highs and lows, and you're found yourself in a room with all these other super smart, uh, successful people is a little bit of the imposter syndrome that creeps in as, as you rise, you keep going into these higher and higher rooms. And each time, you know, you're, you're surrounded by, uh, that next, that next, uh, level of, of intelligence and success. And, um, you have to keep continually, uh, keep breaking through that. Uh, one thing, this is kind of going back, but it's been, it's been buzzing around in my head since we started the discussion. When you first explained what your company was is neither you or your wife had any tech background. You solved the problem, uh, for, for your own businesses and then realized, Oh my God, there's millions of others that have the same problem. We can go solve it for them. How did two people without a tech background, um, you know, take their talents and sales skills and, and create this successful tech company. Cause I think a lot of people are, you know, they have the like, sales skills, marketing skills, good people person, but they're like, how would I ever have a tech company, uh, without maybe partnering with someone in tech? I think, uh, I wonder how people will take this answer. Cause it's, uh, it, it's either going to be like the best advice that people need to like r- really, really lean in. They're going to be critical of you, which is going to show that you've made it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so, so Amanda and I are really big, like law of attraction people. And, um, like it would just use this, this, and it, and it really isn't like, I actually, so I studied uh, neuroscience and like kinesiology and like stuff in, in university. And so your brain has this, um, not the amygdala, but a uh, pituitary gland or something back there that, um, when you th- are thinking about something and it's on your mind, you notice, you see it, right. right? If, if I'm hungry, I notice food is a very easy example. And so when you are clear about what you want, then you start noticing it. And so we were like, we need a tech person. If we're going to, like my friends from university who built me this first version of the website was great for me and Amanda. But if we think about growing a tech company, unfortunately, these guys are not the guys. Hmm. So if we're actually going to like grow this for other realtors and do this, like we need someone who's been there, done that who doesn't need any, make any money because, and like, think about what, this is what we wrote down. And it, and, and you need to, you need to literally just articulate what exactly you want. It was like, we need someone who's been there, done that. So you gotta be older than us. We need someone who doesn't need to make any money. Cause this is the thing that ain't making any money. We're reinvesting back in the business. He doesn't have anything to do right now. He's, he's, he's got time in the world to invest full time into this. Um, <laughs> and he has like this unique skill set to be able to make us unique and better and different than everything else out there. And the, 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 one of the ladies who came to us, the realtors who came to us and said, Hey, I, w- I want to do the, what you guys are doing. She says, you know, my husband's working on this like neighborhood data tech thing. And we're like, really? And she's <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but he's like super techie. And we're like, that's what we need. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more. And she's like, yeah, maybe you guys should meet with him. We're like, Okay. And then we went with him and then we sat with him for five hours and then he became our CTO. And because this guy was 45, we were, we were 25. He was 45, 
doctorate from Harvard, oh, freaking man. had sold, just sold his company, <laughs> didn't need to make any money, was doing something for his wife who's a realtor, had this cool like skill set. And boom, he was looking for, he was looking for someone like us. And so just know that like there, if you're looking for a partner, get clear on what you need because that person is looking for you. And then you just need to go put yourself out there and go talk to people and network and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of people like, so now I have a fear if my developers get hit by a bus, I'm screwed. (laughs) But my, my coach is like, Grant, there are lots of people who can do what your developers are doing. I was like, really? I was like, cause like, I think they're magical. And he's like, don't worry. <laughs> if they get hit by a bus, you'll be fine. There's other people out there. And I was like, make it sound like a leprechaun or something, <laughs> you know? So, um, don't steal my developers. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so it's like, it, it, it's just possible when you're clear on what you want and then you go take the action, the legitimate action that you need to do to actually go find it, go network, go talk to people. When you're clear, you'll ask the right questions. When you ask the right questions, you get the right answers and you meet the right people. That's super awesome. Yeah, that's called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, like recency bias, bias, where you're thinking about something and then you start noticing it a lot more. Um, but I love how you're also, the other, there's another concept where you're just kind of making it happen. And um, it sounds like you really had some thought into what you were looking for. I think a lot of problem that entrepreneurs have sometimes is they like, don't know what they're looking for and they don't put in the work to really figure out like what is the missing piece that we need. Um, so it's hard to put yourself out there and look for it if you don't put in the time to, um, really do that. Did you guys go through a process where you kind of wrote it down or is it just mostly you guys were just spitballing? So I'll, I'll give this, uh, so here's a few examples of how you should go about things. How I recommend, like, this is how we figured it out, um, was, and I'll, I'll relate to hiring and I'll relate it to buying a home. So when you first go try to hire people or go buy a home, you actually kind of don't know what you want, but you should give your best effort to write down what you think you want, make that job description, write down that house that, with all the features you want in the house, and then go try to find it. And then you'll notice when you try no, this is not what I'm looking for. And then you go back to the list and then you refine the list. So it's not about getting the list perfect at the beginning. It's about making your first attempt, your first draft, trying it. And maybe you do get it first time, but maybe you don't. And then it helps you refine the list so that you end up finding what you want versus the perfectionist analysis paralysis syndrome that again, schools have taught us. Yes. Um, you just got to try and then iterate. I love that. Yeah. We got really lucky. My, uh, the house, when I first started looking for, um, for my second house, um, my realtor actually was the first house that we looked at. We actually found, Doug, do you remember who my realtor was for that first deal? <laughs> you had a, you had a <laughs> badass realtor. <laughs> Doug was my realtor on that first deal. We looked at one house. We're like, we want that one. That's exactly what we want. I was like, who is this person? I want to work with them. <laughs> Can you make an introduction? Oh, that's so funny. Grant, there was so many incredible stories in here. Um, I love, uh, I feel like your skill as a storyteller is really powerful. Um, and I think our audience is going to love hearing your path to finding your freedom 
because it it really went down a few twists and turns that I think gave critical insight into what entrepreneurs need to know and what skills they need to question if they have, if they're going to make it. So thanks so much for sharing your story with us. It was awesome, bro. Appreciate it, guys. You know, I I told you before the pod, I've been working on my storytelling skills. So hopefully, oh, and it shows. Hopefully I did a good job. No, it's, it shows. Really good. it's really good. The one last question <laughs> that we always ask everyone is, how would you personally define entrepreneurship? You, the individual, create something that people need and want, and then you figure out how to give it to them. Awesome. That's a simple, that's probably the simplest yet cleanest answer. <laughs> you know, like, cause that's business. Like, like when I first built the platform, I was like, I don't know what these business owners want. I don't know what these homeowners want. So I just went around the neighborhood and asked people, I'm like, what do you want? I'll build it for you. Yeah. And then I did. And then that made me want to make the investment in it. Cause I got feedback of like, well, people want this. Therefore, when I give it to them, they will then thank me and hopefully hire me and my wife at the time for like our service. So like, I think they start throwing $3,000 checks at you. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just like, go create something that people need and want and go give it to them. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, people are going to want to reach, reach out to you. Where should we direct them? You can check me out on Instagram, uh, Grant FS official or Grant Finley Shures. My social media person, I think, might have changed my handle. We're gonna put it. We'll put it in the show notes so we can reach out. You can email me. Yeah, you can email me, Grant Grant at parkbench.com. Don't mind that. I'm I'm good with email. Um, but yeah, man, just yeah, social media or email. I'm pretty available. This was great, bro. I, I I personally gained a lot from this this episode, so I super appreciate your time. Awesome, guys. I appreciate you having me. A lot of great stories and. A lot of value. So we appreciate you, Grant. Give yourself a little more credit. Your storytelling is, is uh, I thought it was pretty <laughs> top notch. So yeah. Killing Good it. Being an entrepreneur is hard. That's why we created findyourfreedompod.com to compile all the resources you need to find your own freedom. 